shining a light on autism and life as an autistic person. Welcome to My Friend Autism, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism while increasing understanding and acceptance of the autistic community. And now, here's your neurodivergent host, Orion Kelly. Welcome, my friend. So good to have you listening or watching this video podcast slash audio podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, my friend. And I'm Orion Kelly, that autistic guy. I'm all about helping you raise your level of understanding, acceptance and appreciation of the autistic community. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you've come to the right place. It's by subscribing to the YouTube channels, Orion Kelly, that autistic guy and Orion Kelly podcasts, you automatically join the absolute best community you are going to find online, my friends. So get in on it. Now, on this podcast, we're going to talk about autism and grief. Mm. Do autistic people grieve differently? I think we do. Let's talk about that. I've also got some key strategies to help you navigate grief as an autistic person. Now, grief. We all know this is a complex It's a complex issue and this isn't a podcast that is going to be depressing or down or whatever. We're just going to talk about experiences. Let's start at the start. Grief. What is it? Well, grief is a complex emotional response to loss. In my opinion of anything, although it's typically associated with the death of a loved one. In my opinion, it can also be triggered, grief can also be triggered by other forms of loss. They could be the end of relationships, a change in living environments and arrangements, the loss of a job, the loss of a possession that's important to you. It could be really anything that's attached to something deep inside you, in my opinion. Grief involves a range of emotions, a range of thoughts, physical sensations. And they do say, I don't know about this, but it's it's typically experienced in stages. So from a neurotypical point of view, the stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Are the stages the same for autistic people? No, I don't think so. Are there even stages? I don't think so. As an autistic person, we experience grief very differently. And each autistic person experiences grief in their own unique way, as does all people. But we're talking now, so let's pass that point of us and them. Now we're just talking about it through the lens of a, of a different brain, a diagnosable different brain, the autistic brain. It processes information differently. We know that. It just does. Autistic brain, neurotypical brain, different operating systems, processes the world around them differently. For example, autistic people, you know, we have heightened sensitivity to certain stimuli. Some have less or an under-experience of the sensory stuff. We also have difficulty with social interactions. So these differences in how an autistic brain experiences the world 
affects us. And therefore, that means it also affects how we experience grief. Let's also point out, grief is not a linear process. There is no set timeline for how long grief should last or does last or will last. And it's not uncommon in my experience for autistic people to experience grief not only over potentially a longer period of time but also as opposed to one long period to actually experience it in waves. Don't feel anything, bang, feel everything. Wave goes out, wave comes in, right? I I can understand that. It's really important we just understand that it's about patience for yourself. You need to be patient with yourself. You need to allow yourself to grieve, not only in your own way, but in your own time, at your own pace. So what do you mean autistic people grieve differently? We're all human, mate. Okay, great. We have an autistic brain or a neurotypical brain or a different brain because not all people who aren't autistic have a neurotypical brain. I get that. So let's go through some examples of how autistic people may experience grief differently. Autistic people can struggle to express their emotions. We know this. We're not emotionless. We don't lack empathy. We have challenges in expressing them. We have challenges in processing them, in, in understanding them, identifying them, expressing them, processing them. This is this, it's the it's the stage before you would say you're an emotionless robot. That's not the case. So if this is the case, if we have challenges expressing our emotions, clearly that's going to create a pretty big challenge to communicate our feelings of grief, not only for ourselves but for others because you need to make sure people are aware how you're feeling. This leads to isolation, disconnection, that then therefore exacerbates the grief, the grief, <laughs> the grief process. Let's also remember, though, that grief manifests in different ways. All right, so some autistic people may have a hard time conveying their feelings. They may instead express their grief through their actions, through behaviours. That's legitimate. If that's how they do it, that's how they do it. But how does that look, Orion? Okay, well, maybe maybe the autistic person in your life, in your view, is having more than normal amount of meltdowns or shutdowns, more outward expressions, more responses that don't seem proportionate to what's going on. All right, that's them. That's them expressing grief. Do you understand? That's, that's a response. Response to grief, burnout, shutdown, meltdown. Different things that make more stimming, maybe. More agitated. Less ability to deal with sensory stuff. That's expressing grief. Another one, autistic people with a heightened sensitivity to certain stimuli, I find that sights, sounds, smells associated with grief can be overwhelming. And this obviously makes it challenging to process the emotions of grief and can lead to a heightened sense of distress. Huh? 
sorry, what did you say? You said a heightened sensitivity to smells or sounds or sights. Okay, hang on. Just steady on. So you're saying, let's say you've lost someone important to you. You're saying there aren't sounds that remind you of them. You're saying there aren't places, sights that remind you of them. You're saying there aren't smells that remind you of them. It could be a cream they used, a perfume they used, their favourite pizza, their favourite place to go. Hello, okay? Welcome back, my friend. That's what I'm talking about, right? That's going to make it hard. So, right, okay, let's say there's a certain cream that I connect to a family member of mine, right? And I can still smell the cream because it's right there in a container in their room. They've, they've, they've passed, they've gone, I'm grieving them. I think I'm doing okay, and then I can I, then I smell that cream in you know in their room or the house or whatever. Automatically, I'm flooded with with them again. That it's a heightened sensitivity to those types of things. What does that do? That heightens the stress, heightens the distress, heightens the grief. Autistic people also have difficulties with executive function. So we know as autistic people. Because neurodevelopmental condition, autism, is clearly going to create challenges with executive function because that's a set of cognitive skills. Executive function is a set of cognitive skills. So planning, organising. These types of things can affect how we cope because tasks will come with grief. When you're grieving... There are things that need to be done. There are a checklist of tasks. There may be the obvious things like family get-togethers, funerals, memorial services, you know, all sorts of different things. People may ask you for words or pictures or thoughts. There may be maybe more interaction with people than normal, right? So not being able to plan and organise the kind of things that you might need to plan and organise and find your time management through different meetings, you know, different things, demands placed upon you can really impact how an autistic person grieves. Another challenge that autistic people face with navigating grief is obviously social isolation. So as you know, we have a difficulty in social. I really am not a good talker for the last couple of podcasts our difficulty with social interaction and communication makes it difficult to connect. So, okay, so, so let's say someone in your life is, is past, right? And it's not just you. There's many people grieving. You're going to find support in others, yeah? When someone, when someone passes and you lose someone, you're going to, you find support in family members or friends or people connected to that person. Is that fair enough to say? And that's really helpful. Having the support and the warmth of others around you going through the same thing is helpful. But hang on, as autistic people... If we have social isolation because of our challenges in interaction and communication, we have no support. There are no people, there are no support groups or people around us that we can lean on. Or if we, and because we don't and we need to, we struggle to because of these interaction, these challenges, these communication blocks. That makes it hard. Even if we try to, it might not work or we might not get the support we need during the grief process. That can make grief so much harder. Imagine going through grief with all these things we talked about, plus an inability 
to lean on support groups or support of others. That's a big one, man. That's a because autistic people are socially isolated. Why? Because of these challenges. It's not like we don't don't want people to lean on, but we are socially isolated because you know you try to interact and communicate, it never goes well, and you're stuck in this kind of vicious cycle of well, if I try, I fail. So why should I try? But then if you don't try, you have no one to help you. And if you try, you fail and have no one to help you. Which, which one is it? Another one before we talk about key strategies I want, I want to touch on is concepts, abstract concepts. So autistic people, we can struggle. Not all, but we can struggle with abstract concepts. This happens right through life. Things that aren't black and white, aren't concrete, aren't easy to say, yep, this or that, right or wrong, abstract concepts, the grey area in life can be really tricky for autistic people and their brain to wrap around the idea of that greyness, right? And that relates to grief. Don't you think, don't you think grief, or more importantly, don't you think life and death is an abstract concept? Now, you might think, well, hang on, you're alive or you're dead, that's pretty black and white. I agree. But if you're alive... And I'm trying to have a conversation to you, maybe as a child, you know, young adult, of death. That's abstract. It's like, do we do we live forever? Why don't we live forever? Do we die? Why do we die? What's the point of that? If we're dying, if I'm born to die, what's the point of what I'm here for? Why am I here? What what should I be doing? That sounds pretty anxiety-ridden? What are you telling me? I'm going to die? When? These are really hard to get your head around. The concept of loss. This is a big one too. The permanence. Oh man, that was not a word. Can you say it with me? The permanence. (laughs) The permanence of death. That's a big abstract concept. Okay, so I'm alive. You're telling me I'm going to die. No worries. But when will I be alive again? No, no, when you die, you die. So what do you mean? So when you're saying the permanence of death, you're saying when I die, that's it. Now, some might say, okay, so if you, you know, you you have a religious background, you die, you you might get to go to a good place or a bad place. You might go to heaven or hell, right? Okay. And the other side might go, well, when you die, you just die. It's just blackness. You just go into an infinite blackness. You're done. You're over. You're finished. Right? You 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 were born. You live, you die, and then you're in a, just a permanent, infinite blackness of nothingness, right? That's a pretty abstract concept. It's very bizarre. There's a lot of abstract concepts about death. Oh, so I'm going to go to heaven. Okay. Who will be there? Oh, well, everyone who got in. Okay, so are you – this is what I understand. So when I get to heaven, you're saying everyone's the same age. It's like we're all – it's like a – Right, And that sounds amazing. So I get to see my lost relatives, the people that have passed in my life, I get to see again. Well, if they're going to heaven, right? If I, and, and if I go to heaven, which is an abstract concept. But then, so shouldn't they, like, are they babies? Are they adults? Are we all the same? You see what I'm saying? This is, very, this is an abstract concept. There's something wrong with the idea of heaven and hell. I'm not saying, I'm just saying as an autistic person, this is the kind of stuff that makes it really hard to grieve. Because of all these abstract concepts, life, death, loss, it's hard. 
Do you see what I'm saying? It's it's really hard because we, we have this kind of concrete thinking, this this need for rigidity, for black and white, for we get this, it makes sense. That obviously makes it harder to grasp abstract concepts, therefore making grief very different. We obviously have unique ways of grieving and they don't fit into neurotypical norms and expectations, right? We get that. But really the last thing I'd say about examples is, and we've talked about it, meltdowns, shutdowns, things. It could be things like more stimming, like I talked about, repetitive behaviours. We might just withdraw, just bang, we're out. See a world when we're not coming out for a while. We might be misunderstood by others. Why is everyone crying but you're not, Orion? Aren't you sad? Like, don't you care? Are you heartless? Like, because we grieve differently. So I think it's really important to actually respect and support the individual way the autistic person in your life grieves rather than judge them through these neurotypical standards. The idea you go to a funeral and you just bawl your eyes out and that's what you do. Like, I get it, but some autistic people, this isn't how we grieve. Or that might happen, but months later. That's the other thing people forget about being autistic. There's processing challenges as well, right? The idea that you go through loss and you grieve differently, but then the processing can also be delayed. So we may reach a point you reached in week one of the loss. We might reach that in two months. You're like, what the hell is wrong with you? How, how is, you know, because there's nothing wrong with us. We have a different brain. So I hope those examples kind of give you some sort of idea because it's hard to, you know, to kind of encapsulate it in a podcast completely, but I, I think that makes a lot of sense those kind of key differences. Now, how about some strategies? We can't just talk about examples. We have to work out ways we can navigate this together, whether you have an autistic person in your life or you're autistic. Some practical strategies for navigating grief as an autistic person. Understanding and identifying emotions. So provide tools and resources for identifying emotions. This might be things like emotion charts, visual aids, explanations that are really simple, that are concrete and black and white. Things that will help you recognize and express your feelings. You're never too old for this, by the way. Don't be embarrassed. You need a chart of emotions, right? Emojis even. You see what I'm saying? That's okay. Another one is create predictable routines. Autistic people love sameness routines. Do not love changes to our sameness and routines. Establishing consistent routines and schedules can provide a sense of stability and familiarity during the grieving process. Well, aren't they already in that, right? No, but when someone, when someone dies and when you lose someone, doesn't your routine change? Like people don't go to work, right? So autistic people won't go to work or won't do what they usually do. Their routine is broken. They have other things. They have to spend time with family, have to grieve, go to funerals, memorial services, catch-ups, blah, blah, blah. That's a change. That's a big change. So, okay, so it has to change, but how can we make the changes more stable and it helps the autistic person feel more secure and grounded visual supports can also help i mean things like social stories so again great for kids but also good for adults too like you know the idea of this is what's going to happen today at the memorial service or the funeral or whatever you want to call it right this is what's going to happen today here's how it's going to go from waking up to getting home that can help visual schedules Visual prompts, 
whatever provides concrete explanations, whatever guides the autistic person in your life on what's going to happen, how they can cope with it, how they can manage their way through the grief, how they can understand why and what, how, when, that kind of stuff. Sensory regulation, another example. So recognize and accommodate the sensory sensibilities and the sensitivities of the autistic person in your life by trying to create some sort of sensory-friendly environment. Doesn't mean you change the whole venue, right? But you, maybe it means there'll be there'll be plenty of sensory tools on hand. Maybe there'll be breaks. You allow them an area to sit and be where they can go in and out without really bothering themselves or others. Things that can help them regulate, manage their sensory challenges during grief. You know, there's opportunities to be created for sensory comfort. You might have things like Soft blankets, weighted items, comforting things, comforting scents, smells, whatever helps autistic people regulate, manage sensory sensitivities that I'm sure you'll understand will be heightened during these types of grieving processes. Another strategy is encouraging preferred communication. Autistic people don't just communicate the way you want them to communicate. It's a medically diagnosed neurodevelopmental condition. There are challenges that are at a level that are diagnosable, so significant. They're not just little things, right, in, in communication and interaction. We're not just going to communicate and interact the way you want us to. In addition to that, the needs, the challenges, the strengths, the care needs, the support needs are all fluid for an autistic person. I'm not going to stop saying this, okay? You don't just... You're not just level one or level two or level three or high or low or whatever. They're all just horrible terms. They're for diagnosable reasons. Okay, so you're not, right? Everyone has their own individual support and care needs. There are clearly people who are autistic who have significant support and care needs. What I'm saying is, and we don't reach the same levels as each other, what I'm saying is though, regardless of where we are, they're fluid. They change. They're not the same minute by minute, day by day. Same with, same with communication. Okay, cool. So I'm talking, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a speaking autistic person. There are non-speaking autistic people. There are autistic people who are <laughs> speaking and are non-speaking. Selective mutism, these types of things, right? Because it just, again, there's no real answer to this apart from, well, we're people, we're humans, and it's some will never talk, will never speak. Others choose when they require to or when they feel they want to or it's – but, again, I'm not justifying an autistic person's actions, for goodness sakes. Anyway, you've got to encourage preferred communication. That means you've got to validate and support alternative forms of communication. This could be writing. Hey, just email me, text me, write a letter, write it down, drawing. Draw us a picture of how you're feeling. Draw us a picture we can take today and put up on the, on the wall. Assisted technologies. Whatever works for autistic people who may struggle with verbal communication or the standard communication practices during grief. Processing, like I said, is a big one. We have to provide time for processing. You have to allow ample time for processing emotions and thoughts related to grief. Why? Because autistic people need extra time to process information to adjust, to change, to interpret, to process, 
to understand and then either reciprocate or express what they think's going on. Just provide ample time. You, you know, you know this already. It's going to be more in the grieving process. For all the things we've talked about, by the way. I mean, there's so many things at play here. Offering concrete explanations can also help. So providing clear and concrete explanations about the concept of grief rather than abstract concepts. And I find too, you know, let's say you've got an autistic child or a young adult, you kind of like baby them with what's the truth. That doesn't help. You know, things like they've gone to a better place, right? Or they've, they've moved on, they've passed. They've passed. They've passed? Who to? Do I get to go? Why can't I live at the better place? Why do they get to go to the better place and we're stuck here at this place? That sounds stupid. No, I don't mean it like that. What do you mean? I mean they've gone to a, a, the big place in the sky. I want to go to the big place in the sky. I'm stuck down here all day. I want to see stuff. Let's go. Is it, Can I buy a ticket? How do you get there? Oh, no, I don't mean that. What do you mean then, mate? Like, you, come on, concrete. Let's hear it. Basic explanations. It's physical, emotional changes that may occur. What happens in grief? Well, someone dies. What do you mean? They were living and now they're dead. What do you mean? So they're dead and they're never coming back. We can always remember them. They'll always be in our heart. But they have died, they haven't passed and gone to a better place. They've, they've died, they're gone, they're never coming back. You won't ever see them or talk to them again, but they'll always be in your heart. That's a concrete explanation. Why can't you just say that to the kid? You really think the kid can't handle that? It's going to be much easier than telling him something about passing to a place in the sky. What? what? Wow. Anyway. It helps autistic people understand the process in a concrete and tangible way. Don't you get that? I'm sure you get that. And no one gives enough credit to autistic kids, by the way. Anyway, whatever. You got, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying whatever because I don't believe it. I'm saying whatever because like I'm so sick of having to tell people that. It doesn't matter how you think they are under your neurotypical standards. You don't give them enough credit. Anyway, we'll move on to special interests. You have to recognize, you have to incorporate special interest, passions into the coping mechanism, into the grief process. Because what happens during these kind of grief processes? You don't go to work, right? Or school or whatever. But then you also, that means you don't get to do your special interest or your passions. Now, as an autistic kid, as an autistic adult, these are the things we do to regulate ourselves. They're coping mechanisms, they bring us joy and passion in life. So, you can, sure, they might not happen as much, but if you can incorporate these into the routine of the day, it, it actually helps as a coping mechanism for grief. It's useful. We find comfort in engaging with our special interests, our passions. So that's important. Don't let that fall away or even worse still, don't ban that. Hey, we're not going to work. You know, your sister's not going to school. You can't do that today. We're grieving. What does that mean? We're doing nothing. So we're doing nothing or are we grieving? Because if you don't mind, 
I think I'd do better grieving by going and making a video. Is that a, like seriously? Encouraging self-care. This is the big one, guys. You've got to promote your own self-care strategies. You've got to work out what works for you. Engage in those calming activities that work for you. Keep sleeping and keep sleeping well. Stick to your sleep hygiene. Don't get to bed earlier or later. Stick to the, the routine that works for you. Maintain that healthy diet as best you can. I get it. There's comfort foods. There's safe foods in these types of situations. That's cool. That's cool. Go with it. But still try to maintain a healthy diet. So, okay, if there's, let's say, you know, you need, you need some comfort food, some, some safe food. Have that, but not three times, three meals a day. Like, you know, you've got to work out a way to, to find that balance. You have to support your overall well-being. Supporting your, your overall well-being will help you through the grief process, whether that's you as an autistic person or you helping the autistic person in your life. Another strategy is, like we talked about, social scripts. I want to talk about this with regards to the things we don't think about in grieving. So, you know, how you have these weird conversations when someone dies, provide social scripts, provide scripts even for the difficult conversations related to grief. You know how when your family get together and they want to talk to you about things or have the same conversation or how are you feeling or what are you doing or blah, 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 blah. Right? So, Either you script it yourself or you help the autistic person in your life. Practice, role play or script these types of difficult conversations and interactions. Not to mention at the funeral afterwards, right? Anyone, any man and his dog's coming up. What, 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 how are they supposed to go? Just understand, you, know, you might say, just understand, they're probably all going to say the same thing. And all we've got to do is just listen and thank them. That's it. They're all going to come up and probably say the exact same thing. Just makes them feel better and they want to, you know, say something. I don't know. What's the motivation? They want to feel good. They want, they want to help you. I don't know what they want to do. It makes no sense to me. Anyway, my deepest condolences. Really? Great. Anyway, that helps because you're actually, I guess you're helping them practice and understand and be ready to communicate for these kind of interactions. And then they, they can be a part of these interactions more effectively. Creative expression. This is big. This is not a special interest or a passion. Encourage the autistic person in your life to express themselves creatively through art or music. Whatever form of creative outlet helps them, that's what you should encourage. It will help you process Grief. It might mean is listening to music over and over and over. Doing some art. Whatever it, whatever it is for you, do that. Like if you like this isn't a special interest, but like if you just love music, listen to music. Allow them to just listen to music in their room or whatever for as long as they need. Because I really think creative outlets are super powerful. You find comfort in them, they help you. You connect to things. They help you trigger things in, in a good way. You express yourself through these creative means. It's really helpful. And physical activity. Don't discount this. Incorporate movement and physical activity as a coping strategy for managing grief. Trust me, there's a lot of, a lot of bent up energy. And I'm not saying you need to be an Ironman or something. Like, you should, like, 
it doesn't matter what your level of physical abilities or fitness is, there's some sort of physical activity that you can do to help you. For some, it might be walks, exercise, playing, practicing relaxation techniques, whatever helps you do that. That will help autistic people release their tension and process their emotions through physical movement of some kind. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Catch up on all the episodes at orionkelly.com.au. I really appreciate you guys watching and listening to my video podcasts, my YouTube channel, Orion Kelly Podcasts, or just listening to them wherever you get your podcasts. It means a lot, and hopefully you're learning stuff. Raising your level of understanding, acceptance, and appreciation of the autistic community until my next podcast. Thank you so much for your support. We'll talk soon. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and binge all the podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit orionkelly.com.au.